This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Frank, and today we're going to bring you some feast or famine over the Rivanna Junction. And the best person to do that with, again, is my buddy Mark. Well, hey, ho there. Let's go there, friends. That's right. You can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, and you can see these mugs right here on YouTube. But when? Great question. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, new episodes drop each and every Friday when we remember. Yes, providing no mishaps. <laughs> and uh, for, for those wondering, uh, this is the second time we're recording this one. So if you're hearing us for the first time, you're probably not annoyed with one of our past reviews. So welcome. Give it time. But just wait. Yeah. Because as you become more knowledgeable in the music that we love, your friends are going to start not liking you uh, as you move past those Zeppelin records at the store and reach for something better. And here, mm-hmm. of course, we review records track by track, lots of musical discussions, spotlight episodes that might even include some rock and roll mysteries. Okay, so you're definitely going to want to make sure you check out our verse series where Frank and I will duke it out on behalf of two bands in the name of what we like to call Total Stereo Domination. <laughs> Amazing. How was that? That was good. Amazing. 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 So while you're checking that out, uh, check us out and uh-huh. our Instagram, Facebook group, hopefully leaving you wanting more of these delicious episodes and our musical goodness. If you got a record you want us to check out, drop a comment where you find us, like, subscribe, rate, review. So, Mark, I, I was influenced by last week, two weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. episode so much that I decided to take on the band's lead singers. Ooh. Uh, okay. Their debut solo albums. Well, kind oh, of nice. as there are two singers in Hot Water Music, right. uh, but we're pitting these two against each other. So we have Chuck Reagan's Feast or Famine versus Tim Berry's Ride Vanna Junction. So mm-hmm. 1999, Mark, I would say Mike Ness's Cheating at Solitaire was the first album that I was aware of where the front man of a band that I adored branched out to a solo record um, by, by the mid 2000s that were starting to become a trend, more than likely due to the number of number of reasons bands that were formed in the 80s and 90s were going on hiatus due to being burnt out uh these singers were also approaching the ages where responsibility and family became a prominent factor in their life so taking an acoustic guitar on the road presented an easier and manageable schedule and the musical taste started to change did you say that last time mark what was your reaction to these guys putting out solo records were you interested in them at the time or were we too involved in our loud fast bands where no one came to see i I personally forgot uh you know for me um i i was i was i liked this but at the same time it wasn't a focus because like you i I was really into those louder and faster bands but as i've been thinking about this i think we got to remember here we are uh 2007 is the first record uh or 2006 for uh rivana junction 2007 for um, famine. for feast or famine if you think back to like 2000 2001 the the folk punk movement is really getting off the ground the the celtic punk movement's really getting off the ground 
So the introduction of the more acoustic stuff had been happening, right? And it was kind of at that breakneck speed that that kind of appealed to guys like you and I. But here we see the singers really starting to, to take it down and go back to a little bit more of uh, true to style, if you will, a little bit more classic format into those uh, folk and country backgrounds. And it wasn't something that maybe I appreciated as much as at the time as I do now. Uh, but looking back on it, it's interesting to see how as things changed, right, as we got into that kind of odd, like, uh, Celtic punk, pirate punk, uh, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Uh, and then and then as the fad of that wore away, there was genuine roots to it. And you can see that these are two excellent examples uh, of that kind of music still being there. Absolutely. And a lot of this could be stuff that these two uh, respective singers were hearing in their households, right? And mm -hmm. it's just it's that pre-punk stuff that you've heard, and then you circle back around to it. So, Mark, why don't you again pick us up where we <laughs> left off with the hot water music, uh, where we had caution, and and how we arrived here at Chuck Reagan's solo debut record? Absolutely, my friend. So after 2002's uh, caution from Hot Water Music, uh, they released their third album on Epitaph, the new What's Next. Um, in 2004 and in late 2005 through no idea records the band announced that they'd be going on hiatus following chuck reagan's departure citing uh family reasons quote unquote uh while this was uh intended to i didn't mean to laugh at his family reasons frank did something that made me giggle right. um well this was intent uh, uh, intended to be a temporary hiatus uh in 2006 the band announced that the hiatus would actually be permanent but not um the remaining three members would then go on to form a band called The Draft and in September of 06 would release their first album in a million pieces, which is a badass record. Oh, yeah. And um, in 2007, Chuck would go on to make his way to Mad Dog Studios in Burbank, California. Uh, I think I said that right. And record <laughs> his debut solo album, Feast or Famine, released August 7th of 07. Back to you, Frank. All right, I caught it. So on Feast or Famine, is it, it is indeed a feast uh, of really well-crafted songs. Uh, Reagan's rough voice is matched by the heavy-handed strumming uh, of the acoustic guitar. Uh, this album starts extremely strong with songs like The Boat for Broken Ears, California Burritos. The intricate lyrics on the song Like the Boat made me and I think you both fall in love with these tunes. Mm -hmm. uh, here are some lyrics. Some days were ripped away. Uh, were ripped, I'm sorry, and torn away from the shore and tossed to a watery grave. We love that line. Set adrift in the depths of the drink in the hands of the gods we curse. Uh, you can't help but picture Reagan on his boat as uh, this sound the plays as a backdrop um i could just see it right now burritos of course california burritos gives us uh the folk punk wood violin and of course that you could just sing along to with at any bar and it's important to note too that that was actually uh, a song from a uh from rumble seat which was reagan and, and chris woolard so there is a version of california burritos under that moniker as well uh this we get the, better this one is better absolutely uh we get the full-on <laughs> banjo and uh, on the very endearing Geraldine, which is about his mom, who's actually a traveling ventriloquist uh, and would go around to perform at churches and prisons. Which is where most puppet acts happen. <laughs> there you go. And the album then continues with a mixture of fast and slow folky songs uh, in Hearts of Stone. You not only 
feel the harmonica racing through your veins, but the sound of the wind between rig and strumming hand and the string, it, it acts just as an absolute cog in the arsenal. Uh, when I listen to this record, Mark, I always look at uh, most records, uh, but I'm talking about this one right now. I look at the cover, and in my mind, all these images are created in relation to the album art. Uh, what this <laughs> album brings to me is those peaceful areas that Reagan finds on his boat and being in an open field while trying to sort out feelings of life, perhaps death, uh, the and everything that is wedged in between the the mixture of the gruff voice and the faster folk style really sets up reagan uh for his solo albums yet to come i give this album a nine out of ten yeah you know frank it took me some time to wrap my head around this record here chuck gives us uh like modern american uh folk music and, and it has all the dressing of what folk music was back in like the forties and the fifties, you know, very rebellious and very heartfelt. You can feel the strings of every instrument just being pounded into submission uh, as Chuck's gruff voice rouses, rouses, Frank, rouses, very being rouses. Uh, I adore so many of these songs, but especially the B side of this record yeah. Uh, don't cry with its fast-paced strumming and understate uh, and understanding of the pains we each carry. Uh, Cemetery's slow but methodical pacing places you right on that rocking boat, uh, staring straight up at the stars and asking yourself if you've given as much as you've taken. Uh, the raucous between the lines straps you to a locomotive as it hurtles through the hell of coming to age at war both in the world and in your head, uh, you know, hearts made of stones message of freeing yourself from the bondage of the life you've been dealt by taking responsibility for it <laughs> is timeless and beautiful. Uh, and the Grove is simply haunting with its pleas uh, for mercy. And, and of course, do you want uh, do what you will to close the album? It, it was really the only place such a heartfelt number could or should go. Absolutely stunning record. Uh, nine out of 10. Definitely check out this record. Yeah, totally. Well, on to Tim Barry's debut. So uh, after uh, Over the James, Avail released two records on Fat Records, uh, 2000's One Wrench and 2002's Front Porch Stories. On November 21st of 2006, Barry released his debut, Rivanna Junction, on Suburban Home Records. Now, Rivanna is a tributary of the James River, uh, taking the tactic of what I mentioned earlier, the album cover uh, we have here, Barry standing alone on a train tracks uh, with the train tracks visible. So, you know, you're getting some really heartbreaks right here. <laughs> that was a wonderful tributary, Frank. Uh <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to use tributary. And, and right? It's fun. <laughs> it is. So uh, Tim Barry walks a fine line between modern folk, art, folk, not folk. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. You know what I mean? I Alt country and blasphemy on Rivanna Juncture. All filtered through his sarcastic but loving heart, guitar and voice. Uh, trash inspiration opens with church bells tolling and you know you're in for an emotional ride. Uh, avoiding catatonic catatonic surrender my tongue died i said a really big pickle and it's like messing <laughs> with my tongue anyways avoiding catatonic surrender opens with tim saying he hates this fucking song oh. a song he wrote while driving trucks for a living <laughs> while the darkness of his thoughts were all he had to to keep him company on the road that's it 
love and lust and lost. Uh, he contends with the madness of the world crashing around all of us while balancing it against the love and the irony of writing songs about all of that shit. Uh, Dog Bump is a class is oh, yeah. as classic of a folk tune as you'll ever hear a tribute to his friend that's literally serving time for the actions he describes in the song. Um, really fantastic. There's a live cut of that on one of his live albums. I highly recommend. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Church on Level Tracks is a heartbreaking lament for those who wander this world lost, looking for their place in it. Uh, you know, and then you get uh, the thunder, thundering strumming of Exit Wounds uh, cuts as deep as Tim Berry's lyrics of love lost and the lengths he'll go to move on. And then you get Cardinal in Red Bed, which opens the B-side with a mm. somber haunting piano paired just with Tim Berry's very somber voice uh, and vocal delivery, just to tug harder and harder at your heartstrings because emotionally you just haven't given enough yet and you owe it to Tim. Uh, the Soul Searching uh, takes on a, a country and blues upbeat swing with Shoulda Ada. Then you get Steel Road uh, giving us the title uh, of the album with its mention of in the opening line. And while he rifles off the name uh, of places that the train might be going, this number is really about not understanding how to connect with others. Uh, this tale of his parents fighting his isolation, being left with only his thoughts and his, his need to run. Uh, he, he's bearing his soul here, Frank, just long enough for you to see he takes refuge on the road again. It's it's really just so spectacular uh, how touching that song is. Uh, I'm almost done here, folks, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Come in, Quinn, he gives us a snapshot of what it must be like to be in a relationship with him. His insecurities about a woman he loves and how much he does love her. Yeah. Uh, Rivanna Junction ends with uh, Wait at Milano's, and it's a spectacular example of how powerful simple heartfelt lyrics are and and a little repetition can really drive home hope in a way that connects with listeners better than any pop numbers stupid stupid hook will ever be uh, i'll leave you with a few lines from exit wounds that i feel sum up the the beauty and pain uh that this album tries to convey i see guilt in your eyes but there's some things from me you can't hide truth is hard Guilt is easy. Woo. Woo. Nine out of 10. Check out that mother flipping record. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, just one look at this record again, and you know, you're going to get some tunes about loneliness and struggles. Although most of the tunes are isolated with Barry on guitar or even piano, the album kicks off with the foot stomping tune and, and trash inspirations. Then, of course, we have a personal highlight of mine, the avoiding catatonic surrender with one of my all time favorite lines. I'm not going to say which line it is. Just go ahead and listen to it. Uh, Dog Bump gives us Barry's outlaw country potential. Uh, and the Baron Cardinal and Red Bed is a really touching ballad that screams of desperation and has almost like a, a retreat in, this, in his vocals. Uh, the rest of the album gives us Barry's interpretations of what I personally feel he's letting us know how a country album should be. Uh, and I'll say from from his looks, the voice, the songs, he could be a legit country star. I always say that this is a very special album for me, Mark, and like you, and like what I gave Feast of Famine, Feast or Famine, nine out of ten. 
Man, two absolutely stunning records. Have I mentioned that they're stunning, Frank? You absolutely have. And <laughs> let's talk actually how these albums differ, uh, even though they are in the same realm and community. Um, sure. I like how Hot Water Music and Avail differs, even though they're part of the same community. So Reagan, to me, has a very spiritual, not religious, feel to it. Uh, that may be to the environment that he was brought up in. Some, some tunes I found, like Do You Pray, has like an English and almost Celtic folk vibe. And I think that holds strong with the songs uh, that have those choruses that a crowd, you could basically sing along to. Barry, to me, is more... Americana, Americana to its core um, from the abstract and visual perspective. I'm getting um, again. Uh, now, keep in mind, these are the album covers, right? So with Reagan's, I'm getting you know water, fields, woods. With Barry's, I'm getting train tracks, desolate towns, Virginia, of course, always as the backdrop in his music. The songs are a little more abrasive than Reagan's, although Reagan's strumming is technically heavier with with the, just that heavy hand of his. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, it maybe uh, you know there's that straight up approach that Barry has with the cursing, and I think that element makes this more kind of a down on your luck record. Uh, mm. Reagan definitely shows struggles, but there's light. There's some light that is presented there. Uh, I don't think we're at the light stage yet in Barry's songs, which begs the question, um, you know, uh, you know uh, about the journey of this album. Uh, mm. The piano featured on Rivana, uh, you know. We don't see that on Feast and Famine. Uh, and a track track like Exit Wounds builds up where you can basically rock out. Now, in Reagan's subsequent albums down the line, you get some more rocking out moments. Uh, vocally, these are also two different styles. Mark Reagan has such a force and power to his voice. It's a beast onto itself. Barry has range, but way more clarity. Uh, the words are more audible with a singing style like that. And mm -hmm. all of this, Mark, that I'm yapping about, it just makes the decision that much harder. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Both of these albums work uh, as part of what some folks would call that that folk punk, but others then the, the <clears throat> excuse me the fact that they're more acoustic focused and sonic uh, more holy moly they're more acoustic focused sonically uh, they're very different. Uh, your old world folk interpretation of Feast or Famine I think is spot on. He does a great job of turning those old world elements into modern folk. Work of works of art, whereas Ravana Junction feels tied to the tracks it's referencing and drags its listeners uh, through the dirt and the gravel and the mud uh, and the heart really of the Rust Belt. It's interesting, you know, given both of these records, if, if you put these onto somebody who hadn't heard either Hot Water Music or Avail, I don't know that you would have said right. these guys were in punk bands before they did this because there's no indication outside of you know unless you understand that punk rock can be heartfelt that there is anything to that so uh i think you and i have uh some hard choices to make frank would you tell Ooh. us who you picked yeah so this is hard but after listening to these back to back and all that stuff mm -hmm. and, and just because i pick one it doesn't mean that the other is lesser but i'm gonna go with tim barry's right band adjunction that nice. that to me is the one that uh, I think has 
impacted me more. Although when I first heard both of them back in you know 2007, which is when by then both of them were released, and that's when I was listening to them, I, I think I would have said Reagan's. But just over the years, the the songs and how uh, Barry's interpretations of those are, uh, they just been impacting me just slightly more. So that is my winner, Mark. What about your winner? Winner, not winner. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for asking. First, I, I want to tell you, Frank. You know, there's no such thing as a wrong answer. That's true. But, but I also ah, there you Johnson. go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, honestly, you you summed it up really well. This, this is just an amazing record, right? Uh, I know that you mentioned or you alluded to uh, a little bit of Chuck's the, the light kind of that mm-hmm. filters through uh, mm-hmm. feast or famine. Um, and that's, that's great. It absolutely works for that record. But I think when you look at an album like Rivana junction and you, you take on all of the darkness that comes with it, basically like you put it on and a black cloud comes over you. Um, it's perfect in that aspect. Uh, I, I don't want to say perfect. I feel like Tim Barry would punch me in the mouth for saying perfect. <laughs> um, but it, it's a righteous record. Um, very cool. And and yeah, I think you and I, sir, uh, Rivana Junction for the win. There you go. There it's you unanimous. Go. It is. It is. Well, Mark, game time. Not really. Uh, oh. we, I know. We, I just have <laughs> I, uh, I just have a couple of things for you. Sure. And, and what please be think? a hot dog. Yeah, no. So it's not a hot dog. Uh, it's not pickle either. <laughs> ah, I just had that really good pickle, man. So good. <laughs> so we compared, you know, two albums from mm-hmm. uh, two frontmen of bands, but maybe let's throw a little. Uh, let's put another quick kind of verses and how they compare and contrast with each other, uh, just sure. to get your thoughts. So I'll throw them. I'll kind of throw them at you. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about Mike Ness's cheating in solitaire, right? Sure. So what if that was against like Frank Turner's? England keep my bones like what what's your thoughts oh man what's your thoughts on that uh man that's that's a great question you know both of those Mike Ness solo albums both cheating at solitaire and under the influence harken so much back to his country roots and to his you know his love for you know that cowpoke sound that he helped invent and really takes it into this other direction but on the other hand you get Frank Turner doing that almost very traditional English folk yeah and very moving, very, um, you know, rich album that really focuses around death and, and mortality and how we how we deal with that. And the two albums are both uh, very different in those kinds of ways. For me, I think I'm going to take Frank Turner on this one. Right. Um, that was the album that like that Frank Turner stole my heart. And it's been a bummer listening to his music ever since because <laughs> all those new albums suck. Um, like that's just me. If you like those records, it's fucking fine. You don't have to yell at me. Um, but no, I think for this one, Frank, I think I'm taking, uh, Frank Turner. Yeah. And, and two very different takes on those things. Cause like you said, Mark, that, that obviously in the title, England, England, keep my bones. It's such a, a, Mm -hmm. a, an, an album about England and, you know, Mike Ness turned us on to a lot of the, the American side of stuff and a lot of even, a slight rockabilly in that mm-hmm. as well. So um, I think for that one too, as far as an album experience, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be taking, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take uh, England, keep my bones as well. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, a, a person who's been on Chuck Reagan's uh, revival tour, mm. <clears throat> not the one we saw, but he also released the solo record and Tim Barry's oh. been on the revival tour. So what if it was the, solo debut by brian fallon put up against mm. the tim berry record and the chuck reagan record so one two three like what, what do you got going sure. on there 
Well, I, I think just for the ease of answering this question, definitely uh, still Chuck. Um, still taking right advantage of Chuck. But I think you definitely picked uh, the better of the Brian Fallon albums. That's, you know, short of that awful mojo hand song and that song is awful folks yes, yes. um but the first album's you, great <laughs> the first, other than that it's a great record and i think it it harkens back i and i'm sure he'd be pissed about this it sounds the most <laughs> like you would expect of a gaslight anthem of album of all of those the records that he's done uh and the reason i say that is that it's the one where he seems to be the most true to the songwriting he's done up into that part right. he takes the least chances um and like, you know, that last record had that awful drum machine in it. Yeah. There's like, you know, the second record has a couple tracks where he's like really laying on that faux soul sound. So I think uh, Sleepwalkers is the name of the first uh, album. Painkillers, Sleepwalkers. Painkillers, excuse second. me. Yeah, right. Uh, Painkillers is, is the best of them. I think it could have been the next Gaslight album if they really had tried. Just obviously, again, without Mojo Han. Um but no, definitely still Chuck. And I think if, if I'm then backing it down and going, well, does that Brian Fallon, Fallon album come in over Feast or Famine? Absolutely not. Feast or Famine is still better than that. What do you think? Yeah, um, the, I, I think Feast or Famine over Painkillers. And and if Rivan is in the, the mix too, then Rivan obviously over, over yeah. that. Um, yeah, that as well. I do think that that's the truest album uh, of Fallon to represent his work. It's not folk by any means, and these are kind of more folky and country. Uh, sure. But it's, I think, Fallon at his truest form at the end of the day, not trying to force anything. I think just trying to be at that spot at that time. And this is what the progression has led him to. So, yeah. Nice. Um, burp. Yeah. Uh, a couple others. So we have like Joey Cape solo album. Um, Ooh, bridge. His, his debut, Bridge. How, now, how does that stack up against, say, like his buddy's album, who who's no longer with us, the, the Tony Sly first solo record? Oh, man. I'll be honest. I, I'm far more familiar with the Joey Cape than the Tony Sly uh, solo album. That was mm -hmm. that 12, 12, 12 song that, program. That's the 12 song program record. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that, it's a great record. Um, I wasn't as into No Use for a Name as I was into Lagwagon. Right. Um, so I naturally lean more towards Joey Cape and Bridge in this choice. Um, but I think both of those are definitely killer records, um, both worth your time checking out. And uh, yeah. 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 I'm going to say Bridge too, although, you know, I, I adore Tony Slice writing. Uh, yeah. But uh, The Caper is also to one of my all time favorite songwriters. And I think, I mean, 95 percent of the stuff he puts out I, I like in fact it's probably higher than that just because i endure it so much so um yeah the caper on that um that's kind of it mark unless do you have any comments about koki the clown no <laughs> yeah somebody shoot fat mike <laughs> there no, you, go. I, I, you shouldn't say that right uh, no, probably that, not no, you probably shouldn't say that i mean that, that dude has enough money stop giving him money like honestly none of the fat none of the no effects albums have been good koki was terrible that musical he put on about homeless kids. I, I just, I, I want to believe that he meant to help somebody with that, but that thing was trash. I mean, the best part of Koki was the big flower that just poofed the powder. That was probably the best part of it. <laughs> I mean, unless you were on the receiving end of it. Yeah. Right. Well, watching that. Yeah. We're watching it. Yeah. Oh man. Good, good times, Mark. So why don't you Thank tell you. us, um, pickle and all, what do we have for next week? 
Frank, I am uh, so excited for this week's pick. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I've, I'm running out to the Carvel community to grab a fudgy the whale oh. ice cream cake uh, so oh. that you and I, sir, can celebrate the 40th anniversary of none other than Iron Maiden's uh. number of the beast. Ooh, ooh, hell yes. And look, dude, check it out. I still get the sticker from when I bought it. Yeah, you CD did. Heaven 599. Oh my God. This, yeah. This bad boy's been in my collection for a long time. And let me tell you something, it's staying in there for all time. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right. Well, it's going to be an exciting. Uh, can't wait to record it, which will be shortly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we appreciate you stopping by. Remember, like, subscribe, rate, review. And remember, be safe out there, folks. Yes, uh, do all that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> don't forget to say it with me now. Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yes. Oh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Frank, let's do that a third time. <laughs> oh, it's so nasty. <laughs>